Hello Hope Online family. It's great to be connecting with you all. Uh, my name is Fran Lloyd. We're in our Spirit-Filled Church series. Don't you think it's something that um, we're doing this series at a moment when we're not gathered as a church? We're a scattered church. Who knows how long we're going to remain a church without walls, a church outside our building. But I believe there's something significant for us here, that we're learning about what it means to be a spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled people, not in our buildings, not in our meetings, but in our homes and our lockdown, socially distanced lives. I'm sure you'd all agree with me that a spirit-filled church is only the sum of its spirit-filled people. Imagine when we're able to gather again what that will look like. If during this season we've all taken the time to pursue our relationship with the Holy Spirit, to become more spirit-filled individuals. That's been my challenge in this season. Fran, if you're looking for a spirit-filled church, then become a more spirit-filled person. I want to say from the outset that I haven't got this taped. I speak from the same place as you. I'm a learner. Uh, I'm an apprentice in spirit-filled living and walking. It's one thing having the Spirit of God, and as believers, we do have the Spirit of God. But as we shall see, it's another thing to be filled with him, to go on being daily filled, afresh, living and walking by him. So my title today is Walking Hand in Hand with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to invite you to share my journey as I've explored what this means. So please join me as I briefly pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I invite you now to come. You are our helper. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come and be with us, I pray. Come and encounter us as I share. Encounter us, Holy Spirit, in our homes, right where we are, in our lounges, our kitchens, our bedrooms, our gardens. We want to know you more. We want to experience you more. We want to grow in you more. You are the one who leads us into all truth. And so we ask you to draw alongside us now and lead us into your truth. Amen. So my passage today is from Galatians 5 and I'm going to read uh, verse 1 and then verses 16 to 18 and then verses 22 to 25. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So here Paul the Apostle is addressing the church in Galatia, which is now southern Turkey, where a year earlier he and his friend Barnabas had planted four churches. He's very eager to press home the vital importance of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these new believers. So we find that word spirit appears in this passage seven times with phrases like walk by the spirit, be led by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. Paul is eager that the church in Galatia understand the role and the person of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. As I began to consider what Paul wanted the church in Galatia to understand, I realised there's a huge gap between what I know here and what I know here. The Spirit is described as the Spirit of truth and I needed to let some truths sink in. I started to meditate on the person of the Holy Spirit. Fifteen years before Paul wrote to the Galatians, Jesus had described the Holy Spirit this way when he introduced him to the disciples. This is from John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The character of the Holy Spirit is properly described in the Greek word alos parakletos, which means another comforter. I discovered that alos means another of the same kind, not another of a different kind, the same kind. By calling the Holy Spirit alos, Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit was just like him. He was forewarning the disciples of his death, his resurrection and his ascension, the fact that he was going to leave them. Jesus was saying that even though he was leaving them, another one who is exactly like him was going to take his place to be for them the friend that Jesus had been. Their comforter, their counsellor, their teacher, their helper, their strengthener, their intercessor, their advocate and their guide. There's a further clue to the nature and character of the Holy Spirit in verses 22 and 23 of that passage from Galatians that we read. The Holy Spirit is loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle and self-controlled. Therefore not controlling as we so often fear he is. He must be those things because those are the fruits of the Spirit. If we're to walk by the Spirit as Paul urges, then it's really important that we get to know him. Not as an add-on to our relationship with God the Father and Jesus, but as a person in his own right, fully God. I know, as I'm sure you do, I've been well taught, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all equal. They are all God. Yet, if you're anything like me, we have a tendency to relegate them in our heads into some kind of hierarchical order. God is the big boss. Jesus is the second in command and the Holy Spirit 
is a messenger or an agent who runs between heaven and earth, connecting us up with heaven like an electrical cable or power line. There's no question that the Holy Spirit is powerful. But we need to get things straight in our heads. He's not a force or a wind or a breath or even a fire or a dove. He can be experienced like those things, but he is a person and he is God, just as Jesus is God and the Father is God. He's not an it. I began to realise that until I started to appreciate the Holy Spirit as a person, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the full benefit of his presence. If I'm to walk in the Spirit, keeping step with him, then I need to develop my relationship with him. And if I'm to develop my relationship with him, then I need to get to know him. You know, many of us are living with a stranger in our house. We bump into him from time to time when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but we don't take the time to really get to know him. Is he like a lodger in your house? You're aware of his presence, he's kind of around and you bump into him sometimes on the stairs or encounter him in the hallway and then on you go with your life. Some years ago, a couple of friends of ours were out in a local park with their youngest son. Toby, their son, went missing. They experienced that horror and panic you feel when you lose a child, more so because there was a lake nearby. After a time of searching, Chris, the father, glimpsed sight of a child far across on the other side of the lake. Toby was walking with his arm extended in the air as though he was holding hands with an adult and he was merrily chatting away, looking safe and secure and calm with an expression of trust on his upturned face. But he was entirely on his own. Of course, Chris raced over towards Toby, his eyes never losing sight of him as he ran to catch hold of him. And all the while, Toby was walking with his arm up as though holding an adult by the hand. When Chris finally reached him, he knelt down in front of Toby and he said, Are you okay, son? And Toby said, Yes, the nice man found me and held my hand and helped me find you again. There was no nice man that Chris could see. So he and his wife were convinced that an angel had come to rescue Toby and kept him safe and walked him back towards them from way across that park. We need to be like that child, walking with our arm raised in trust to hold the hand of the one who wants to walk beside us as our comforter, our guide, our protector our strength, our teacher, our wise counsellor. Walking hand in hand is a powerful image because it suggests relationship and intimacy. From the beginning, mankind was called to an intimate relationship with God. The Bible often describes this as walking with God. It's a biblical metaphor for relationship with God. So walking is something non-dramatic, rhythmic. It consists of a repeated, steady set of actions that you can keep up in a sustained way for a long time. To walk with God is a metaphor that symbolises slow and steady 
progress. It presents relationship with God as a journey, an adventure, a process. Adam and Eve walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Abraham walked with God. Noah walked with God. And Jesus was the quintessential example of a man who walked with God. He walked so closely with God that he was always in the spirit, even when shaking himself awake from a groggy sleep. When I first wake up, I'm sometimes grumpy or dopey, definitely dozy and sleepy. My husband is convinced that sleep is my natural state (laughs) and that waking is an uninvited interruption. But when the disciples awakened Jesus out of a deep sleep, he silenced the storm. What an amazing thing to aim for, to be awakened out of a dead sleep and be instantly in the spirit. Jesus was baptised in the spirit. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness and he walked in the spirit. He was so connected that he only did the father's will. He only did what the spirit was doing. He walked that walk and he taught his disciples to walk that walk. 1 John 2 verse 6 says this, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. We're called to walk just as Jesus walked. John Wimber, a well-known church pastor and church planter of the 70s and 80s, said this, The ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, and to move in the realm of the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy with and dependence upon the Father as Jesus had. How did Jesus do what he did? The answer is found in his relationship with the Father. How will we do those greater things than these that Jesus promised? By discovering the same relationship of intimacy, simplicity and obedience. And Bob Zorger, who's an author and Bible teacher, puts it this way. From the beginning, God had a relationship with Adam and Eve that found them walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God created man for the enjoyment of a walking relationship that involved companionship, dialogue, intimacy, joint decision-making, mutual delight and shared dominion. God longs to walk with you. It's always been about relationship. God himself exists in relationship and for relationship as the Godhead. He exists, if you like, in relationship with himself. He's love and love can only exist in relationship. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, one God. God is himself a relationship and what he seeks with us is intimate relationship. So walking hand in hand with someone signifies an intimate relationship. It involves connection and partnership and it requires three things. It requires proximity, it requires pace and it requires direction. So you need to be close enough to walk together holding hands. You can't connect at a distance. Social distancing doesn't apply here. It requires adjusting your pace or your step. You need to walk in the same rhythm at the same pace. You can't walk faster or slower than the person with whom you're holding hands. 
that would make it uncomfortable and clunky. It requires too that you're facing the same way and going in the same direction. If you attempt to go in opposite directions, you'll soon find your connection becomes stretched and painful and eventually it'll break. So I began to contemplate this and to think about how these things apply to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do we stay close to God the Holy Spirit? Firstly, by recognising and reminding ourselves that he's always near. Proximity. Jesus promised he will never leave you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He couldn't be any closer than he is. Again, it's, it's about getting those things from here to here. Sometimes that's the longest distance. Intimacy is a heart thing. So we need to engage our heart. The secret place of my heart is where I develop a walking relationship with God. In our current Western worldview, we tend to put way too much emphasis on the mind and on the power of rational thinking and not enough on the heart. The Bible tells us Christ makes his home in our heart. That's Ephesians 3 verse 16. Not our mind, our heart. If we look in Ezekiel, we find this. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. God says, I will give you a new heart. It's our heart God is interested in. So I need to pay a bit more attention to my heart. How's your heart today? Engage your heart. And then be God inside minded. John 14 verse 17. But you know the spirit for he lives with you and will be in you. He will live inside of you. You see, God dwells there in your heart. He is present here, close to you, as close to you as you are to yourself right now. This is momentous. It's a mind-blowing truth. If you're a Christian, God indwells your heart by his spirit. He lives there. He's made his home there. It's all about the heart. And if you're exploring faith or you're on a journey of discovering God, then you can be sure he wants to walk with you. He's at work in your heart and he will give you a new heart and come and live with you if you ask him to. God was always looking for a people who he could be present with. Presence and intimacy are high on God's agenda. We know this because the Old Testament charts God's desire for it. God was present with Adam and Eve in the garden and he was present with his chosen people, the Israelites. Later, it was in the Jewish temple where God's presence dwelt, in the inner chamber, which was separated by this heavy veil or curtain from the outer chamber. It was known as the Holy of Holies or the Holy Place. God was present in that physical, geographical place among his people. And then he came to live with us as one of us. Jesus came to live with men as a man. And when he died on the cross, something extraordinary happened. That curtain that had separated God's holy house 
from an unholy world was torn in two from top to bottom supernaturally so that God's presence could be poured out from there. God was no longer going to stay behind the curtain. He was looking for a new home and that home is your heart and my heart where he comes and dwells in us and we can have full access to his presence always. Now we are God's house, my heart, your heart has become his home. So where is the holy place now? It's right here. I am the place of God's dwelling. So are you. We are his temple. He lives in us. You know, a spirit-filled church is a church of believers who live like a people who have God on the inside. That's what distinguishes us from any other group of people. Moses knew this. He knew that what distinguished the people of Israel from other people was the presence of God. And he refused to go from the wilderness to the land of promise unless God and his presence went with them. We need to be distinguishable from other people by the presence of God with us. So be God inside minded. How do I make space? How do I make more room for his presence in me? Well, by adjusting my pace. Have you ever run a three-legged race? When I was young, it was a popular sports day event at school. My sister and I, we were really good at it because we'd come to understand something. It wasn't about speed. It was about pace and balance. It helped if you could develop a steady rhythm and it involved partnership. Jesus was never rushed. Have you noticed that? It must have driven people mad. Can you imagine Jairus when his daughter was so sick she was going to die? Mary and Martha, whose brother was also so sick he was going to die. But Jesus took all the time in the world to reach them. Holy Spirit isn't in a hurry. And if we are to walk with him, then we need to slow down. One of the great things about the lockdown, and there have been some positives, is that it's forced many of us to slow down. It's interrupted our frantic, busy pace of life. It's given us time to notice things we haven't normally had time to notice. Birdsong, things in nature. When Jonathan and I go walking with our dog Poppy, we rarely power walk, unless it's raining or we're late. Usually we walk to walk not to reach a destination. We walk to enjoy each other's company. We walk to share our love of the countryside and notice things together. We point things out to each other. We enjoy spending time with each other. Sometimes we talk. Sometimes we just enjoy being together in a shared experience. Slow down. We're not meant to lose our awe and wonder. Never lose your awe and wonder. Enjoy just being with God, spending time in his presence, having a shared experience with him. And be present. Intimacy and presence are important to God. He wants to be present with us and we need to be present to him. How do we do that? So often it's easy for us to rush on ahead into our day or even to lag behind and drag our feet. 
Paul said this, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. For me, it means reminding myself at moments throughout my day that no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, he is right there with me. We are in each other's presence all the time. There's this marvellous little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's written by a, um, a, a French Christian called Brother Lawrence. It was written 300 years ago. And he worked in the kitchens of a monastery in Paris. He cooked and cleaned. And he practised a very simple and natural method of being present with God by turning his attention to the divine presence available to him at all times during all activities. He discovered that he could be as fully present with God while washing dishes in the kitchen as he could be while engaging in worship and prayer. As a result of that profound um, experience for him, the peace and joy that became apparent in his life attracted so many visitors to the monastery. You see, you become like the people you spend time with. My husband and I have become more like each other over the years, so much so that we can finish each other's sentences. You could say we've adjusted to each other. We've changed. This is what Paul wanted the Galatians to understand in Galatians 5, that it's the Spirit's work inside of us that changes us, that causes that adjustment in us, not our own self-effort. We're changed from the inside out, not the outside in. It's no more by our self-effort now than it was before we got saved. We couldn't do it then and we can't do it now. It's not by willpower, it's by the Spirit's power that we become holy. When God saves us, when we repent and believe, we receive forgiveness of sins, yes, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's both, because we need the Holy Spirit in an ongoing way to renew us and regenerate us and make us more like Jesus. It's his work. It was his work in us that brought us to new birth and it's his work in us that will create in us a new heart, a new spirit, a new life pleasing to God. It's his work in us that will transform us, equip us and empower us. So what do we have to do in all of this? Well, what we have to do is partner with him, cooperate by adjusting our pace to his, keep in step with him and agree to follow his direction. Jonathan and I love to watch the repair shop on TV. Recently, one of the expert specialist repairers was working on an old compass that had seen action in two world wars. This particular compass wasn't working anymore. The thing about a compass needle is that it needs to be anchored and balanced at its center to be able to find true north. True north is our orienting point in a spinning world. It helps us stay on track and find our direction. In our Galatians passage, the English word walk is used in both verses 16 and 25 in some translations. So what you get is walk by the Spirit in verse 16. And since we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit in verse 25. But in the Greek, this word walk is different in those two verses. 
In verse 16, it's the ordinary verb for walk. But in verse 25, the verb is nearer to the idea of walking in line. Hence, in some translations, we get keep in step. So my role in all of this is to walk in line with the Holy Spirit, to agree with him, to align myself with him or partner with him. Amos 3 verse 3 says, do two people walk in hand, hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Do two people walk together unless they are agreed? Like that compass, we need to be anchored at our centre in intimate relationship with God. From that place, we can choose to walk in line with the direction of the Spirit. We choose to align ourselves, our minds, our hearts, to agree, to line ourselves up with the truth, the truth of what God says, the truth of his word. Intimacy and relationship, connection and partnership are the things that keep us centred and stir us to do that. They centre us like an internal compass and the Holy Spirit points us in the direction of our true north. Our life choices, our behaviour, our nature starts to line up with the direction of the Holy Spirit so that we are more and more those who live and walk by him. So in closing, let me just ask you, do you need to rethink your idea of who the Holy Spirit is and what he's like? Do you need to start a conversation today with that stranger in your house? Maybe take a walk with him. Consciously put your hand in his. Tell him what's on your heart, not just what's on your mind. Raise your expectation in faith that you carry his presence with you wherever you go. A presence in you that can impact your surroundings. Maybe you need to slow down. Deliberately choose to redirect and realign your heart to practice his presence and partner with him as he works his change in you. So I'm just going to pray. It's a very easy prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We invite you. We make space for you. You are welcome here. Come walk with us. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for your presence. Come fill us. Make your home in us.